Did you know that right now there's a group of people running the business of their dreams? They are respected leaders in their field, working with clients they love and serving them profitably. Now, are they famous? Depends on who you ask. They're not signing autographs at the grocery store or taking selfies every five minutes. They're not trying to be everywhere on social media. Yet when they show up at trade events and conferences, they are recognized and sought after. They're the ones everyone else looks up to. They're the next generation of thought leaders in their space. So what's their secret? Well, they've become famously influential to the right people, and so can you. Today, we'll dig into the story of one of these leaders and deconstruct how they became micro-famous. You won't just come away inspired, you'll come away with a new strategy and a new way of thinking. So while your competition is scattered, chaotic, and chasing every shiny object, you can move forward with confidence and clarity. I'm your host, Matt Johnson, agency founder and author of Microfamous. And if you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Microfamous podcast. I've got a really awesome conversation with somebody that I respect a lot. And I think you're going to get a lot of value from, especially if you're in the coaching business. Um, my guest today is Ken D. Foster. He's a business strategist, syndicated radio host, best-selling author, keynote speaker, one of the original coaches in San Diego. Uh, he is the author of The Courage to Change Everything. He is the host of Voices of Courage, which I had the great privilege of being a guest on. That reaches 200,000 people weekly, which he hosts from a studio here in San Diego. Uh, he has coached and mentored hundreds of CEOs, entrepreneurs, executives, senior professionals, um, and he's really, really a visionary uh, in, in the coaching space. And so we talk about, you know, kind of the future of the coaching industry, where things are going, uh, why you might want to stop calling yourself a coach. Uh, we talk about what, what Ken explains himself to be when he runs uh, into potential clients just in his own personal life. So there's a lot of incredible nuggets here in this episode. I'm really excited to share it with you. If you don't yet have a copy of his book, go to Amazon right now. It's called The Courage to Change Everything. Uh, and you can learn more about him at kendfoster.com. But without further ado, uh, let's jump in with Ken and talk about the future of the coaching business. So Ken, officially welcome to Microfamous. Hey, it's so good to be with you here today, Matt. And uh, Microfamous is uh, getting more and more famous is what I hear. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, we're, we're super excited. There's a bunch of different directions we could go with the conversation because you have an amazing background that I alluded to in the introduction. I gave some credentials and backgrounds. So people get a sense of a kind of a foundation of where you're coming from. And we're going to have a really interesting conversation. And I definitely wanted to get into where coaching is going and why people might want to stop calling themselves coach and what else to call yourself. We'll get to that in a second. But when you run into somebody now, what do you tell them that you do? Well, I tell them uh, uh, that if they ask specifically, what do you do? I say, I'm a uh, keynote speaker, I'm a business strategist and a best-selling author. Uh, but I don't, generally don't tell people that. What I tell them is that I'll, I'll tell them like, well, I work with uh, startups, I work with entrepreneurs and business owners who are stuck in their practice and really want to take their uh, business or their life to a completely new level. Is that something that uh, has an interest for you? So I'm usually not using specific words of what I do. Like I used to tell everybody I was a coach, right? right. And you know what, when I started in the business, uh, 1997, 98, when I told somebody I was a coach, they were like, well, what's that? What do you mean? Because mm -hmm. all they thought were football and high school and in college coaches, right? Mm -hmm. Today, that's a different uh, conversation. Yeah, and I want to run a theory uh, past you just real quick and see what you think. Because my uh, the way that I look at the world and when I think of the economy and what's happening, I think there's going to be some big shifts over the next decade or two that is going to lead a whole bunch of new people 
from the medium and large size business into the freelance world. And to me, like when I think of Peter Drucker and his writings for management, I think there's going to be an opportunity where the business coach, consultant, whatever you want to call them, that thought leader to me is like the new management class. I think it's going, there's going to be a lot of people that are dumped into that class um, either by choice or by not. Um, I, I couldn't agree. I, I agree with you. Uh, I think it's coming a lot quicker than we think. You know, 70% of the economists right now in polled are saying that uh, to the end of 2021, we're looking for another recession. Right. So what's going to happen is a lot of people will be out of uh, their traditional work and they'll be looking for what to do. Entrepreneurship is, uh, is, is the way to go, I think, for so many people today because a lot of, uh, you know, even when we go through the recession, a lot of companies will be downsizing. But more importantly, I think, entrepreneurship helps people open up their creativity and really start to do what they were kind of meant to do while they're on this planet. So yeah. I think, I think no, no doubt uh, that's going to happen. And I will say this, uh, uh, you know, Peter Drucker had, uh, uh, I believe it was Peter Drucker. He had a book out there that I read and uh, it was a daily, a daily uh, dripping on your mind mm -hmm. uh, with uh, management principles. Um, in fact, he was one of the uh, people I went, wow, this is so good. We, what we need to do as entrepreneurs, we got to drip every single day in our thoughts mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, you're, you're on your own. You're doing your business, right? So yeah. uh, that's, that's the exact same thing uh, as you know. I, I wrote a new book. It's out there. It's called The Courage to Change Everything. And the same principle. It's written for entrepreneurs and people that want to be entrepreneurs to drip every single day wisdom, wealth principles, and specific focus questions to help you focus every single day. I think that's the future of entrepreneurship. <laughs> I know. I have to tell you this. I didn't get a chance to tell you in the pre-show, but when I saw the list of books that you've written, I was immediately and wildly jealous because you've already beat me to the concept of writing a book of questions, like powerful questions that can change your life. I had that idea like a year ago and figured, well, I'll get to that at some point after the first book. And then I'm going to have to, uh, I'm not sure if I should go pick up your books because then I might be more jealous or if I should not read them and write my own. Well, you know what? I, I always pick up people's books that are, I'm inspired with. When I was writing my book, Asking You Will Succeed, um, which is the thousand and one uh, extraordinary questions in there in 35 categories of life and business, um, I, I had other books that I was modeling. And I can tell you this, um, when you're inspired to write something like that, you're going to find a way to uh, do it your way, not my way. That'll right. even be, you know, it'll just plus. You're, you know, we stand on each other's shoulders. Yeah, that's and, absolutely. You know, true. I stood on other people, and there, you, you'll stand on mine, and you'll, you'll create something even, even more magical, maybe. Well, I and I appreciate the, that you mentioned that because I do think, and I don't know if you're this way or not. I, I was this way. I have like a, like an unofficial theological background, right? Like I was raised in a household where I had to defend my ideas, and I was reading theological books at eight and nine years old which is great, but it also creates a complex where if you feel like somebody has written something before, you feel like a little bit of the wind taken out of your sails because you feel like it's not 100% original. And you're exactly right. Nothing is 100% original. I don't know if you've ever dealt with that. Well, I, I can tell you this, that I, would, uh, I have this ability to uh, read somebody else's material and then I will write, I'll, I'll start to write the way my mind works, I don't know if it's dyslexia or whatever, but I can never, I can never write whatever that guy, that person said. I always add my twist to it, right? right? So, you know, I've been doing this for years, like, wow, okay, you know, that, that, and that's my gift because my gift is looking at it from another point of view 
mm-hmm. and putting my uh, my head on that, right? Yeah, love you it. Know, it let, let me say one other thing. You know, my father, uh, my father was LAPD for 48 years, 48 years. Goodness. And uh, he, he was an interrogator, right? So he, <laughs> he, he was an LAPD how, interrogator. Was he your taught dad. me how to, well, you know, there's interrogation and then there's asking questions that help us tune into the higher states of consciousness, you know, right. whether we want to go into subconscious or conscious or superconscious minds. But I, I mastered that from him. He gave me those those tools to be able to ask questions and open up possibilities like uh, like no one uh, could ever do. I mean, he was a brilliant at it. Oh man, that's awesome! Yeah, I didn't, didn't did not quite have that that experience growing up. That would have been interesting. And I thought I couldn't get away with anything when I was growing up. But okay, so let's let's talk I, about I did, coaching. I did bit. have a little get out of jail card free though. Uh, all right, that's a good point. That's a good that, point. That was that, that. Yeah, and I needed it when I was growing up. But anyway, let's not go there. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the coaching industry a little bit. Um, So you mentioned that you founded, I think it was one of the very first professional organizations of coaches, definitely in Southern California and and correct me on the chronology, but tell people a little bit about the background first and let's get into why. Yeah. yeah. So the background of the organization, we started out as an independent organization and then uh, we, uh, uh, excuse me, we started out as an international coach federation organization Mm -hmm. and uh, about three weeks into it uh, or three meetings into it, everybody said, we, we don't want, uh, we, we don't want too many rules and guidelines. So we uh, we recreated the organization. Anyway, that organization started in the um, uh, late '90s, still going today here in San Diego, uh, San, Di- San Diego Professional Coaches Alliance. Uh, so uh, yeah, I was uh, I was instrumental in that, and then I I ran it for uh, about a year and a half, and I turned it over to a guy by the name of Peter Redding, and uh, and then Peter took it from there. I think he was there three years, and that was the foundation. That coaching organization is a great place for new coaches or coaches that have been around for a long time to, uh, to uh, help them to stay current, stay uh, on top of what's going on in the business because the business is changing like crazy. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, and I see the effects of it because I'm on the marketing side of it, helping coaches and consultants grow their business and, and figured out the hard way that a lot of the stuff that like out of the universe of things that could be done to attract coaching clients, there's not there's there's a lot that just aren't effective. And you mentioned before we recorded that one of the problems with all the certifications and programs that are out there for coaches is like most certifications, they train you on how to do the thing really, really well and zero on how to actually attract the coaching clients. And it doesn't sound like that's changed. Uh, it hasn't. I, I had a client yesterday that, uh, that came in. She's been, uh, she got certified through a International Coach Federation organization. And um, when I asked her, I said, well, what, what's your process to enroll clients? She said, oh, well, I, I take them through, a, uh, I offer them a free session. I take them through an hour and a half uh, program with me. And and I said, well, how, how's that working? And she said, well, it's not. I don't have any clients. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, you're, you're giving away all of your time, all of your energy. It, that, it's great for when you're practicing to be a coach. But if you want to be in the coaching business, you have to learn systems and strategies and marketing uh, uh, concepts so that you can start to put yourself out in the world in a greater way. And real, real quick, Matt, uh, when I first started coaching, um, the first, uh, first month I was in coaching, I had 18 clients. By the end of, and I did really well that year, but by the end of that year, I was dead broke, dead broke. What? Seriously? And I, I went to work for a telemarketing company and I was feeling down and a friend of mine called me and said, Ken, 
this isn't even you. Why are you doing this? He said, Tony Robbins is hiring right now. He's looking for somebody to run his coaching organization. You need to apply. And I found myself and I went and applied and I beat out, they tell me, 500 other applicants and I got the job. And so Tony <laughs> taught me, Tony taught me, really. He brought in guys like Jay Abraham, right. uh, who was getting $5,000 an hour at that time to teach people how to write copy, how to market themselves. He brought people like that in to train me and a couple mm. of his other uh, uh, top uh, people uh, on, on how to market. And then, of course, Tony, being the master coach he is, I learned the strategies I need to to be able to enroll clients on a consistent basis. So when I left that organization and after about a year, I, of course, never went back out and always have been uh, making great money in coaching. One of the few that makes a lot of money in, in coaching. So. Yeah, yeah, the the eighty twenty rule applies to all. That's for sure. Um, that's interesting. So I didn't know that you ended up that you got involved and in, and in ran that coaching organization for a while. And I love Jay Abraham's stuff. To me, that's the the his brain works differently. Uh, I, I love the I love his material. Um, his material's amazing, man. <laughs> so let, let's talk about just from the coaching industry, just real quick on the um, on the terminology. Yeah. So so you have a unique position on whether people should even call themselves coaches anymore. What what do you think? Well, I, I don't believe uh, the title coach is appropriate anymore from a marketing point of view for for most people that are coaches. Mm -hmm. So, I, and here's why. There are, as you alluded, there are so many organizations now certifying people to be all kinds of different coaches. They, mm -hmm. they can be, you know, health coaches, wellness coaches, lifestyle coaches, but there's also some really crazy coaches out there. I mean, there's basically, I'm, I'm like fun, but there's like water heater coaches or there's <laughs> coaches that uh, lawnmower coaches. I mean, there's so many coaches out there yeah. with all these titles. And then there's a whole bunch that are certified and a whole bunch that aren't. They just found, you know, just said, oh, I'm going to be a coach. Right. So I think it's diluted what coaching is about. And I yeah. think it eludes you as an individual, uh, your own personal brand. So it's, uh, for me, um, I no longer use the term coach. I use the word, I'm a business strategist or I'm a business consultant. Mm -hmm. um, I, I generally don't even, you know, uh, use titles at all because really what I'm there to do is, is to build relationship. And when I think when we say I'm this or I'm that, I'm a real estate broker, I'm a I'm a pharmacist. I'm. The, it tends to put you into a into a box. And you know, as coaches, as really good coaches, uh, we're very open minded. We can see things on so many different levels because we're working with the power of question. And with the power of question, we can help people tune into what they need to change in their in their world, whether it's in business or or in health or in fitness or whatever. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that that I see coaches and consultants struggling with the most, which is there is a difference between what's in your head, like the content that's in your head that enables you to deliver the service and be highly effective as a coach or a consultant versus what is highly effective at marketing and creating demand for coaching and consulting. Because you hit the nail on the head. I think internally, nothing wrong with considering yourself a coach. In fact, I, when I speak to people, I still call them coaches because it, it's, it's a term that a lot of people identify with. But yeah, when you go out to the market, maybe don't call yourself a coach. You call yourself a strategist of some kind. You know, one of my clients five years ago would have called herself a business coach. Now she's a content strategist because you're right. There's a thousand different stripes of coaches and, and the word is diluted. So, but, but I think it goes back to that 
it's, it's hard sometimes for us to acknowledge that there's a difference between what we want to talk about behind the scenes and what we, what the category or the bucket that we put ourselves in versus what makes us appealing in a marketing sense, if that makes sense. That makes, that makes so much sense. And I think, uh, you know, I, I think if anybody who's ever listening to this right now, they, they, you know, if you're getting coaching's all in all businesses based on results. Yeah. So it's like, if you're not getting the results that you want in your practice as a coach, if you're a coach, um, it's, it's really important to talk to a guy like Matt who can sit there and help you with the marketing side of this so that you start to understand who I am in the marketplace and start to identify that for yourself. If you yeah. don't do that, what happens, you're going to struggle a long time. Now, there's another piece to that, though. Okay. Um, the marketing's great, but you can market all day long. But if you don't have a system in place to enroll clients, then you're probably going down the wrong path. I know I was when I told that story about uh, uh, being broke after my first year. Mm-hmm. I had no strategy. I had no system. I had no syntax of how to take a client through a process that at the end of that, they, they actually experience value for themselves so that they could see what the coaching is all about. So I think we need both pieces as a coach. So, so that's one thing that Tony taught me, right? So I, yeah, have, I was going to ask you, when I came, out, when I came well. out of Robbins, I had a yeah. syntax, right? I had, a, I had an outline that I would, I would go through um, to give people an experience of what this could be for them. Yeah, and that's what's interesting about selling coaching is that you either have to be really good at telling people what the point A to point B transformation is that you're selling, or you have to get them into conversation and the conversation has to convert them. Like you have to convert through the power of giving them an experience or a taste of what the coaching is like. Exactly. And those are not the same thing. In fact, they're, they're wildly different. So that makes sense. Okay. So we talked about from the marketing perspective, I'm curious in terms of the way that you branded yourself, because like if you go and you check out the, the, the show, right. Which is distributed right. on all kinds of places. And you've got, I think you said 200,000 weekly listeners across. Yeah, we do. Uh, the, the name of the show is voices of courage. And you can say to Alexa Cortana or Siri, just play voices of courage podcast and we'll come right up. We, uh, it's a show that we have about 400 people, uh, a month right now applying to be on that show good Lord. and we're booked out for several months. Uh, but it's the reason we are is because it's a good show and it's a show that helps uh, business owners and individuals that want to step into something greater for themselves to start to listen to some of the experts that have already been through this. Um, you know, there's so many strategies and formulas to create business. But what I find is the missing ingredient. See, there's there's a lot of information out there. Google it, right? You've got lots of information. In fact, so much information if you don't you can get distracted in it, right? But what's missing is wisdom. So, you know, when I started out in this business, you know, in in the several businesses that I started over the years, I didn't have a lot of of wisdom. I had courage, but I didn't have a lot of wisdom. But if you can combine courage with wisdom, now you got something that uh, uh, is going to be permanent and lasting, right? Yep. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so you need courage. So, so, Real quick, let's talk about the syndication part of it because you talk about 200,000 listeners a week. Yeah. Which for most of our listeners is an astronomical number. Like you're not operating in a small niche. I would say you're, you're, you're niched because you're in the business world, but it's a very large niche and people have a hard time visualizing a niche as large, which is a whole other conversation, which we won't go down that road. But it is interesting to me, like you're in the business niche and you have a huge audience, uh, but you're in a lot of different places. 
So let's talk real quick about the syndication part of it, if you don't mind. Uh, how did you come into being nationally syndicated and what does that mean in practical terms today? Yeah, well, I, I'll tell you how I did it. And um, I, I started out like everybody does on, well, you know, with, I, I, well, I started out on radio. Okay. So I was in a radio station here in San Diego, KCBQ, AM and FM. And um, uh, that's where I, I learned how to do the business because I didn't know. But when I walked in the radio show uh, station, uh, they said, uh, hey, by the way, you get the privilege of being a co-host on this show. We get You get the privilege of paying us like 1500 bucks a month to do that. I was like, uh, I don't know about that. Let me, let, me, <laughs> let, me, uh, let me see if I can put together a strategy so that I can get this show paid for while I learn, right? Right. Uh, so that was the first thing I did. And uh, the uh, co-host I had at the time was thrilled because she was tired of paying them every month and not making any money. It was like a hobby. I was like, oh, this is crazy. So I set my intention to do that, which we did before I even got involved. I had a business plan around it. The second piece is that I was on one show and I walked into the radio shows and, and podcasting were out there was out there and I was like, why aren't they podcasting on this AMFM station? Mm-hmm. And they didn't really know much about it. And I was like, well, I'm going to learn about it. So I did. I went to a workshop here in San Diego, Steve Ulsher. Right. Um, Steve actually invited me in as a speaker with uh, with my co-host and um, we got to understand a lot more about podcasts because I didn't know what it was at the time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I knew that I wanted to do podcast. I knew I wanted to, uh, uh, be in the radio, but then I said to myself for syndication, I said, well, all right, I've got two shows. I'd like to get to 25 shows. I thought 25, uh, stations. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was huge, right? Mm-hmm. At the time. And, uh, I thought, how am I going to do that? Well, what I'm really good at doing is putting it around me, people that know a whole bunch more than me. So I put together a, uh, we'd call it probably a, a master class or mastermind group around me. And I invited all these people that already had their shows to 20 plus shows, right? <laughs> and so they came in and, and uh, you know, my genius was to connect all them. I, I'm great at connecting people and building relationship. So they came in and that lasted three months and they taught me what to do. And I got my show to uh, almost instantly, I got myself on a network and we, we had, uh, I think it was 21 AM, FM stations at the time, right? Wow. I was like, yeah. oh, that's cool. <laughs> and then I thought, well, if I can do 21, why don't, I said for the end of the year, why don't we have either at, at 100? And I thought, that's kind of crazy. That'll never happen. But I formed another group that had people that were already in that in that category. Okay. And sure enough, we ended up uh, on, uh, on the podcast in, in, into that. We ended up on 100 plus uh, stations, right? Hmm. So it's like, wow, this is cool. So that's how I've been doing it. And right now, as you know, I, I mentioned to you that I have another group going right now. And these are the people that own the networks. So I've got okay. the people that own the network. So then what that means to somebody that's starting out in podcasts is that these are the people that have the shows on there. So you might be uh, on Spotify or iTunes or there's a, there's a gazillion networks out there. Yeah. But I'm working with the people that have the shows on their networks now and figuring out that game. So now I can go from couple hundred thousand listeners uh, on, a, on a weekly basis. I'd like to go to like 10 million listeners. So mm-hmm. uh, they tell me it's possible. In fact, they're telling me we can get to 100 million listeners. Is that wild? It, you know, it's, it's, I think it's possible with around the world. And if you've got the right show and the right people and the right team in place, right now it's, it's a, it's, it sounds like an impossible dream, but mm-hmm. things keep happening. So I just keep moving in that direction. 
Love it. All right. So that, that brings up another question that I want to, that I want to put on the back burner for a second, because I want you to tell people where do they go to get the latest book and learn more about you and, and get your, your previous books that we alluded to as well. Okay, great. Well, the latest book is called Courage to Change Everything. It's uh, daily strategies and essential wisdom to unlock your inner genius. Again, you're dripping on your mind every day, reprogramming your thinking every day with astute wisdom and cutting edge wealth principles. You also uh, have specific questions every day to help drive you into the uh, dreams that you have for your business and for your life. So you can get that at CourageToChange.us. CourageToChange.us. There's a bunch of bonuses up there uh, also that you'll get if you buy it on that site. You can also get the Kindle edition on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And my other books uh, right now, you can get them on my website, KenDFoster.com, KenDFoster.com. There's a couple free gifts in my resource center if you go there and uh, you want to explore changing up your thinking. I'm the guy, I'm the go-to guy with that. So if you like (laughs) to change up your thinking... Just go to my website and you'll get some free gifts. You can start on that path. Well, who, who doesn't need an upgrade in that area? I think we, we all need uh, that. You know what? We're, we're constantly upgrading. You know, you know and I'll I just say, you know, I practice what I teach, right? Every day I do a, a, a feedback session with myself. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I'm always asking what worked, what didn't work, and where do I need to improve? And I have another question I'm always asking myself in that improvement say, uh, beside if I was really courageous, what are the three steps that I would take to make those improvements, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's a daily practice. So That is a daily practice. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, in the last couple minutes we have left, I want to dig into something on, on goal setting because you mentioned something with the, the goal to get on those initial 20 radio stations and then you even set the bigger goal of getting on 100 stations, neither of which you, you thought you would hit. So, so when you look at goals like that, uh, do you, do you put them in a different category of goal? Do you think about those differently when it's a, when it's a goal that you don't know if you can hit, um, because obviously you hit them. Uh, so it wasn't an issue that I, I, I don't buy into the idea that if you don't hundred percent commit, things can't happen because obviously they do all the time. So, but I'm curious what you think about goals like that. And if you separate out goals that you are absolutely hundred percent committed to versus things that you set as a goal just to see if they're possible. Well, when I set the goal to uh, to be 25 uh, 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 stations or whatever it was at the time, and this is, yeah, 25 or 20, um, I the difference between me and my goals and the difference between a lot of other people, I believe, is I took immediate action around that. I didn't just think about it and just set a goal and here's what's going to happen. I, I set my uh, – uh, I, I did several things. I started visualizing that happening um, every day. I put a group of people around me that I taught them how to hold that vision for me as I held the vision for them. I started to ask people, uh, how, how can I quicken my process? How can I get on 20 stations? Um, I started asking people, who do you know that's already doing this, right? I want those people in my life. So it, uh, uh, so that, that's, that's, even though it was like, well, I don't know if this is going to happen. I didn't sit and go, well, I wish it'll happen. I hope it'll happen. I took some action around that. Um, and the, uh, the goals that I'm committed to, um, versus the goals that I think might happen. Um, I think they're really pretty much the same. Um, you know, one is, is there's a humbleness, there's an unknown uh, element as an entrepreneur. When I step into the unknown, I'm not 
arrogant enough to know that that's going to really happen. But I also am not fearful enough to just sit there and go, well, I hope it happens. So there's, there's this fine line. I think we all, we all walk. And if, uh, if you have a dream, what, what I, what I'm known for is persistence, right? I just persist and I drip every day. I think that's the greatest gift we can give ourselves, whether you're trying to um, generate sales in your business or you're trying to quit a habit that you don't want to have. It's daily persistence every day, keeping focused on it. And I think if somebody had just told me that and I'd really got it 40 years ago, (laughs) I'd be twice, 10 times further than than I am uh, today. But yeah. I have it now. I've had it for many years and it's just that daily, daily drip. Yeah. I love it. That's uh, that's very, very insightful, especially the part about the daily visualization because you're exactly right. You may have set that as a goal that you weren't sure if you could hit, but you certainly didn't act like it. You acted like you set it as a goal you knew you could hit. Uh, that, that's, that's exactly right. And here's the other piece that I, I want you to pick up. I had people around me visualizing that goal for me. I uh, you mentioned that you enrolled, you kind of enlisted their help in setting that vision for how, how, Listen, what's the We're, we're all connected. We're all connected. Okay. Yeah. So whether you believe we're all connected, whether you can feel it, see it, taste it, touch it, it doesn't really matter. We are. And if you have other people holding intention for you, um, that's going to help you. There's a book written by uh, Lynn McTaggart. It's called The Power of Eight. I, have, I had her on my show a couple of times. So people want to uh, listen to the show and look up Lynn McTaggart. Um, she did a lot of science uh, work with several of the universities on consciousness and actually showed how in groups of, uh, uh, she started with groups of 5,000, went to 1,000, went to groups of eight, mm-hmm. um, how when we hold intention for each other, it quickens the process of what we're doing in our lives. So you might want to check that out on my show, VoicesOfCourage.us is where all the replays are, Lynn McTaggart. And listen to that a couple of times because I think you'll you'll expand what's possible for you. Yeah, it's interesting if you look at uh, if you look at any kind of social cultural movement, even even the rise of grunge music in the early '90s. It's always a group of people that supported each other that all had a vision together, and then one person breaks out first and then pulls the rest of them along with them up to a whole new plateau. It's really interesting. It, isn't that cool? And you know, it's, it's like where there's two or more gathered, really. You don't have to have groups of eight or groups of 10. I mean, it's, it's fine if you do, but really I start every one of my groups with one other person. <laughs> I just find that person that I'm connected with, I feel a passion with. And we're really, you know, whether it's writing books or marketing books or whether it's podcasting or whether it's building business, I only pick people that have that specific goal in mind, right? Mm-hmm. Napoleon Hill talked about that and think and grow rich a billion years ago. But, you know, it needs to be a clear, specific group of a goal with uh, people that are all like-minded moving in that direction, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. They, they all want the same. And I think I've been in a lot of groups that weren't that way. You know, one person wants to uh, uh, start a popcorn stand and somebody over here wants to be spiritual and somebody over here wants to be a coach. Um, those groups, uh, that I, I suppose they have their point, but if you really want power and you want, you want uh, to energize what you're doing, you find the like-minded people around you to support you, and that, that'll help take your uh, business to the next level. And by the way, if anybody has an interest, Matt, on um, uh, finding out a little bit more about the groups that I work with and finding yeah. out more about me, they can go to uh, kendfoster.com. 
and you can just get you can get a free uh, thirty minute consultation with me. We'll talk about where you are in your business, where you want to take it, and I'll help you do that. Excellent. Well, that's a great stopping point. I appreciate it, Ken. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. And hopefully everybody goes to the website, checks it out and gets your latest book and shares it with someone that can benefit. Matt, I really appreciate uh, being on your show. And uh, you know what? I'd like to flip that around. I'd love to have you on my show too. So uh, let's, let's connect on that. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, thanks. Thanks for listening to the Micro Famous Podcast. If you're ready to become famously influential to the right people, connect with us at getmicrofamous.com. It's the best way to take the next step to implementing the Micro Famous strategy in your business so you can attract an audience, build influence, and become the Micro Famous leader you're meant to be. And we'll see you on the next episode.